This is our second podcast of the day. I th- we recorded this again uh, earlier today, and then I didn't like it, uh, so we're redoing it. I thought I went too hard on some things. I went on some rants. I went wild with it. I got I got fired up, and then I was about to load it up, and I just thought, you know what? I don't really want to put this out. So I, I wrote it down a different order. Uh, I got other things I wanted to talk about anyway, so this, this will really open it up. I got two on certain subjects that I didn't get to all my topics. And I got topics I want to talk about here. So looking forward to it. How do you feel, Hannah? Um, I feel uh, great. Great. Really good. Hannah's here producing. Um, <laughs> and she had to get the peanut butter out of my beard before we started. Because I do film these, even though I never release any of the video I do film them and I am working on releasing the video I just don't want to put the whole podcast out on the internet I I want to just share clips I like that the podcast is mostly audio format I like that it's like an old school radio show you know you can't really get the video but I do have some clips I'd like to share here and there so I am working on that Hannah's been helping me, but I also met with somebody today, and I'm also working to find uh, a merch person to sell my merch so that my hats can be available all the time. I'm I'm definitely missing opportunities to make money, and then people just want to make, just want the hats, and I don't hate the post office. I often say I hate the post office. I don't hate it. It's just like I'm sitting here. And I'm going, I could just relax today or I could fold 15 boxes, tape them, print labels, put the labels on there, put a shirt in there, put a hat in there, tape them up, get in the car, drive to the post office, wait in line um, when I could, you know, just not do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but then you'd be paying a lot of people a bunch of money to do it for you. Right, but it's like if you can figure out a way to where you can still make money and still keep prices relatively low and then somebody else makes money, great. You know, we all make a little money here. Everybody gets what they want and I don't have to go to the post office all the time. Yeah, I we, don't We gave the post office people gifts this year. Yeah, I give we gave them some Lindors. You know the chocolate candy Lindor. We gave them out a little bit. We should hit the other post office up because we've been to Mount Juliet a bunch too. We should hit it up and give them some Lindors. Um, but we, we won't be there before Christmas. So, But, um, you know, I was in line the other day, and I'm in the post office all the time. At least once a week, I'm in the post office. And there's usually one or two people in line. But now it's Christmas, right? And so the place is packed. So I'm standing in line, and I'm just hearing people complain about... Uh, how how long the line is, and oh, this is like a Walmart with one cash register open. And they're all in there complaining. I'm like, I'm in here every week all year, and you guys are sending a couple of Christmas cards, and now you're up in here telling us all how we need to be running the post office. 
I even heard one guy say he was too up in front of me. He was talking to the lady in front of me, and it seemed like he said, at least you're not behind. And it seemed like he was talking about me because I had, you know, 10 or 11 boxes. But I'm like, I'm probably the most efficient person in this post office because I'm always coming in here. I got my label game down. I got my boxes. I know the buttons to hit on the keypad at the post office. I know how I'm wanting them shipped. I mean, it's like people going in there going, can you check my post office box? And it's like, no, get, bring your key. Remember to bring your key. Can I get 150 stamps? Oh, you're, you're all out of stamps, huh? Yeah, I waited till a couple of days before Christmas to come. One guy was trying to buy like a thousand stamps or something. I was like, they were like, we're all out. And it's like, what have you been doing? You need, all, you need all these stamps two or three days before Christmas. I don't know what day it is. But that makes me so angry. Does it? That story. Because we spend so much time. I also mail packages for you. Yeah. And I know what goes on at the post office. Yeah. And it's the same folk working in there every single week. Just keying in numbers all day. And then these people come in with their dang trinkets, mail them across the country, entitled. Yeah. Ignorant. Telling, telling the post office to switch it up for them. Sit down, Fred. Yeah, exactly. Where are you at all year? You're not in there all year. And then to step to you? Yeah. It's like you're single-handedly keeping the post office in business, probably. Well, uh, secretly, this is what goes on in my head all the time. I wanted someone in there to say something to me about being in there, mailing all those packages, so I could go, I'm keeping this post office open around here. Well, did they see you give them gifts? Uh, Well, you know, all of this takes place while I'm standing in line. And I don't give the gifts until after. But I'm not trying to get looked at by the... I wouldn't even have told people on the podcast that I gave gifts had you not brought it up. And it's okay. But I'm not looking for the people in the post office to go, oh, did you see that? Did you see that generous man just gave some Lindors to the people? No, but what I want them to recognize is the relationship that we have. Yeah, we and if know they're going to step to the post office, buddy, you're stepping to me. Yeah. You know, and the people at the Mount Juliet post office are very nice to me, but this one guy was really complaining one day about the amount of boxes I brought in. He wasn't specifically being like, you brought too many boxes, but he was just complaining about how, oh, we don't have enough help. There's never enough help. And this is a guy that still, he still wears a mask but he only, he wears it under his nose. I'm like, that's never been the proper way to wear it. And no one's making you do it now. So why are you still wearing it and wearing it wrong? It doesn't make any sense. I think he has bad teeth and he just enjoys covering it up. I don't know. The guy's been very nice to me, but he suddenly just, you know, kind of snapped at me one day while I was in there mailing some packages. Now the other people are are beyond friendly. But when I went back to the Hermitage one, because it was closed for a while, when I went back to the Hermitage one, I said to them, they're about tired of me over in Mount Juliet. And the guy (laughs) was like, hey, man, this job security, we appreciate it. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, dude. That's what I'm talking about. They'll miss us when we're gone. Yeah. So I like it. And, you know, one day, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I did tell it to you. I was going to try to make a video out of it. But I was in the post office, and the two women that are always there were like, laughing about a customer that had just been up there and they told me 
that that lady got real mad at them. And she goes, I'm taking my business to Chattanooga. And it's like, you know, you know, this is not an independent chain here, right? <laughs> this is the United States post office. Okay. You're not hurting the business. If you head on down to Chattanooga and I never met anybody at the post office that cared if you decided to switch post offices. I'm taking my business to Chattanooga. It's like, ooh, no, no, please, please. I mean, the people I see in the post office complaining about stuff, like about their, their own post office box. And this one lady I saw, she goes, hey, I'm mailing this to my mom, but all her mail gets forward to, forwarded to me. Is there any way I can still get this to her? oh my gosh it's like no no that that, she said no if you put a forwarding of address in the you know i feel like i'm working for the post office now making we got post office company talk here oh we got an update that's all for the post office we got an update uh about our neighbor that got evicted i was talking to one of my other neighbors and this neighbor seems to know everything going on in the whole neighborhood. Uh, and he told me that he found out that that guy who got evicted for non-payment had not paid rent in three years. Now, I told you I've lived next to him for three years, and I have never seen him. I thought I had seen him, but it wasn't him. So I don't know who I saw. The guy that came to my front steps, I had never seen. So... My neighbor tells me that he had been hiding out over there so he couldn't get served papers to get evicted, which is, as Hannah said, I mean, it's almost admirable. I don't know the words you use, but it's like to hold it down in a place for three years and not pay rent and not get yourself kicked out. I mean, it's like you're almost like, hey. Well, I respect the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost like good on you, dude. He figured something out. But it, it just, it just again, it, it makes me think when I said to the guy, I'm sorry this is happening to you. And he says, it's a weird system we live in, man. <laughs> and it's like. It's th- like, yeah, it is. Because it let you live there yeah. rent free without going to jail. As our, you know, as our friend was saying, he's like, that's like $100,000 a year. And, pa- and apparently. And like, how much money does he owe? The owners of that house, and he doesn't even go to jail. Nothing happens. Apparently, the reason that it was found out was because there was a domestic dispute. And I never really seen anybody over there, but but he didn't have a family, but it was his, you know, significant other uh, was over, and they had a domestic dispute, and then the cops got called. And I don't know. That's how they were able to, you know, like touch base and get him kicked out. Yeah, it's, wow, it's, it's, uh, it's something. It's mind-blowing. Okay, so, um, oh, here's an, oh, I I got a couple of things here I want to complain about. One is, um, listen, I went to the, I went to, we're trying to buy a shed, and I went online, I, I, I got recommended a shed company by somebody who's done some stuff for me. And I went to the website and they didn't have a price list. So I emailed them and I go, hey, can I get a price list on the sheds? And then the guy calls me and he says, I hear you're looking for some prices. I was like, yeah, I'd like to get, you know, just a price list to see what all your sheds cost. He goes, ooh, I don't have a price list. Let me see. Let me contact my manager and see if maybe he has a list that I don't have. 
And he goes, what size shed are you looking for? And I go, I told him, I said, well, this is roughly what I'm looking for. And he goes, well, I can send you a price on that shed. And I go, okay, well, yeah, do that, but also try to get me the price list. And then he emails me later and he goes, ah, just not going to be able to get that price list for you. We just don't have a price list. And then another guy, uh, I, then I had another lady from the company reached out to me and she goes, hey, I, I just see in here that you and quite, you, you know, reached out for some information about sheds. Were, did anyone ever reach out to you about it? And I go, yeah, they did, but they couldn't give me a price list. So I'm just going to have to go somewhere else and buy the shed. And I never heard back from her. I never heard back from any of them. He was like, well, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we ain't got no prices here. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, I'm just checking to make sure they didn't do nothing for you because I'm about to do nothing for you too. But I just want to follow up, make sure that we're all not doing nothing. We're for all you. reaching out, but not doing anything. But, you know, it's like, I am going to buy a shed, but I'm going to buy a shed from a company that has all their shed prices right there on the website. All you got to do is just select the one you're looking for and it tells you what it costs. Do you think maybe that they're haggling or bar like bartering shed prices? Like maybe if they go, the shed's 10000 and I go, how about nine? Well, or like they want you to pitch a price. Like, hey, I want to buy a shed. What if I give you $6,000 for this here shed? Well, he did give me a price on the shed I was looking for. He goes, well, what size shed are you looking for? And I told him, and then he sent me a price for that. But I'm just looking. They have, uh, you know, various designs and different things they use and different styles of sheds. So the place I'm getting the shed from, it has all their styles, all their sizes, all their prices listed. And you just pick one, which one works for you. Yeah, I mean. Now, prices can change, and they could say that on the website. They could say, hey, building materials are going up all the time, so prices may vary, but this is roughly what it's costing. Yeah, starts at yeah. and then goes up. Yeah. but And then I went to this one store when I was in, because I just got back from San Diego. So I was walking around downtown one day, and I saw this store. It had a bunch of, like, stained glass-looking lamps in it. Oh, I like that. All over the store. So I walked in there. The whole store was full of those things and various bowls and different things. And I was, they had no prices on anything. And I'm like, you know, and maybe the store is designed to keep people like me out of there where they're like, if you, if you can't afford, if you got to ask what it costs, you can't afford it. You know, that's what I heard about restaurants. Like if, when they have market price, if they, they always go, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. And I don't know if that's true. But I just want to know, I understand the market price in the menu um, because, you know, that price may may change and people will argue you to death uh, like you're Walmart in here. You're like, nope, nope, this says, this said it was $5. The place I got it from said it was $5. I mean, I yell at people about that all the time, but I don't actually expect them to give me that price. I just want them to know I'm upset about how unorganized they are. Is any of this making sense? Yeah, it is. But I'm interested about people not putting prices on things. Well, they just didn't put it. It had no prices on it. So I left the store because I'm like, I'm not going to stand in here all day and go, what's this cost? What's this cost? Just put some prices on here. I reckon that probably was very expensive and bougie. Were you in a really nice neighborhood? This downtown San Diego. I mean, it's. I mean, if it's glass, glass is expensive. Yeah. But still, I mean, throw a price here and there just so you can be like, well, if this is this and that's probably that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's really... Uh, I know, that's what I'm saying. Put some prices on stuff, people. All right, and also I had someone reach out to me and ask why I got kicked out of a Joann's Fabrics. Mm-hmm. I didn't get kicked out, but why I stormed out of a Joann's Fabrics. Why you can't go back. Yeah, why Why it was a huge embarrassment, um, you know, to, to go back. Maybe huge is too big of a word, but... Well, I'm not going back with you. Yeah. Well, this is what happened. I was buying some fabric, I believe. Well, I know I was buying fabric. I don't know what for. We're always buying fabric. We like to put fabric in places. If you were able, ever able to see the video uh, that I'm doing right now, you would see that behind <laughs> me, we've put fabric on the wall. We don't want to paint. Our, our wall is full of holes from all the records and picture frames and various things we've hung up and took down and hung up and took down and hung up and took down. So, you know, I took these two pictures on the wall that are behind me. I took them off the wall, put them in different places. Then I threw some green fabric up on the wall and put the pictures back in the original spot. This is where they were at all along. Um, uh, and, and I'm into it. We love to put fabric on the wall or I'll be creating a green screen. I went through a real green screen phase. Uh, there's several videos I have online with a green screen. Um, so I was buying some fabric in there. And uh, in Joann's and places like this, I don't know if you've bought fabric before, but you, you go to a roll, you find the roll in the store, and then you, 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 know, you say, I want three feet, and then you have to go to the center of the store where there's a desk, and then you get yourself a number, and you wait for them to call your number so they can measure your fabric and cut it. Now, I think the idea being so you don't steal um, and you get accurate cuttings and they know what to charge you. It all makes sense. But the piece of fabric that I was dealing with, there was only a little bit left on the roll. So I just thought, you know what, I'll just buy the whole roll. I'm talking two feet maybe. I probably could have used more than that. And so I got a bunch of other things and I go up to the front. um, and, and, And for the record, I had been through this before where I go get fabric measured and then I'm waiting all day for some old lady to finally call my name just to measure all slow. Um, So I thought, so I got my stuff and I just went up to the register and I thought, well, I'll just buy the whole roll and then we won't need to measure anything. We, you know, it, it, you know, so we get up there and the lady goes, nope, you got to get it measured. And I go, it's like two feet lady. You don't got a yardstick back there. I mean, just whip the yardstick out, prove it's two feet, I'll pay you. She's like, you got to get it measured. I'm like, how about I pay you for three feet? It was cheap fabric. I mean, you know, I was like, let me pay you for three feet. How about four feet? You got to get it measured. And it just really frustrated me that I thought, this lady, I know she's got some kind of ruler behind that desk. She can't, This is a Joann's Fabrics. Fabric in the name. There should be rulers all over this place. And she can't whip out that ruler, measure that fabric for me so that I can move on about my day. And I left. I left all the stuff at the counter. I'm not having it. They don't change the way they do things at Joanne's Fabrics just for you, buddy. No, they, yeah, I mean, they do not make an effort to accommodate their customers. There you go. At this particular uh, location. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's the same for all the Joanne's. This was in Madison, Tennessee, which I found there to be a real lack of customer service uh, all around. This is also the part of town where I stormed out of the bank. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, um, it's not known for its customer service on that side of town. Mm-hmm. 
We'd never been back to that Joanne Fabrics. No, we never did. That whole, we lived in Hendersonville, but we had to drive. We were closer to Madison, even though we lived in Hendersonville, to any shopping. So we'd always go to Madison for the shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, it's quite a scene because, you know, it's mostly like, you know, women buying fabric in that store. Yeah. And older ladies and moms, and it's just like a real kind of, you know, sweet environment and then you get a really rusty dusty up in there trying to trying to bully the cashier lady well i'm not trying to bully her i'm mm. trying to be like help me out here i'm yeah, trying to move me. it along here yeah. i don't i mean th- that old lady that wants to get her fabric cut by the other old lady they probably want to stand and talk for a while yeah. and catch up and talk about baking cookies mm-hmm. and making blankets and quilts and crocheting the little things that goes over the kleenex holders you know they're uh, they got stuff going on well, that's the truth. Like the, the 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 ladies that are cutting fabric, whether it's at Joanne's Fabrics or at a Hobby Lobby, I've had fabric cut for me there. I've also had fabric cut for me at a, at sewing stores. They like to be delicate and slow. Oh yeah, it's so slow that I mean I, I've been there before when uh, all the numbers before me have already the people already abandoned the store <laughs> i mean i'm I, i'm number 13 they're going 10 <laughs> number 10 number and i'm looking around i'm like i'm the only person in this store <laughs> number 11 number 11 ethel <laughs> yeah i'm like come on with it i'm right here yeah number 12 did you email I didn't email. You didn't email. Nah. You've been known to email a business, a mayor, uh, a county. Well, I don't mind emailing government things like when I get tickets or when the, you know, I, I emailed the city of, um, of Louisville one time about they had this bridge that used to be just the interstate. You would drive from Louisville over to Indiana just over the bridge. And then one day they built a new bridge and they said, all right, this is a toll bridge now and we're, we're raising tolls to pay off the bridge. And then, so I emailed and I go, well, when's this bridge getting paid off? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I don't mind paying off the bridge. I don't mind helping you pay off the bridge. But when's, let's get a ticker up there so we can see how close we are. Yeah, I'm sure they're still paying it off. Pay this dang honest. thing. I think someplace that I used to go over a toll, they, a class action lawsuit was filed against them. Yeah, that sounds about right, because that whole thing reeked of shadiness. I mean, it's so shady. It's like... That's such like a main uh, artery. We used to travel through that all the time. Yeah, you can't just turn the interstate into a toll road. I mean, you know, I get it that there's like, you know, there's cities. I know Atlanta has it uh, where, where there's a, you know, you have a toll road built in addition to the interstate. If you want to pay the money... You can go around a lot of the traffic, but don't just make the main road that. Yeah. So that's I'm glad a, you emailed. Did you hear back? I think I did hear back. There was something they told me to contact somebody else, and you know, it's just mm-hmm. this. But I wanted to let them know that people are trying to contact them. 
I never heard back from Des Moines, Iowa about my parking ticket there. Mm. I mean, I paid it, but I thought it was pretty ridiculous to give me a parking ticket early in the day outside of a coffee shop. I was talking to a fan. Mm-hmm. Get a parking ticket in Des Moines. You should be lucky I'm down here. <laughs> be lucky anybody's down here. I've gotten two tickets in Des Moines. All right. Some cities just ticket. Yeah. Like Nashville's like never ticket. I don't think I've ever gotten a ticket in Nashville. I got one ticket once, but I deserved it. All right. Let's um let's go on to one more thing. And then we'll do where we've been, where we're going. And then we'll get into uh, the Christmas topics. I want to share some old Christmas stories. But this is kind of an off-topic topic. But I just thought, I just had this thought the other day, so I wrote it down. Why is there no good way to say that you have to poop, right? I mean, like, um, it's like you either have to sound like a foul-mouthed, gross person or like a child, you know, you got to be like, I got to take a dump or I'm about to blow this bathroom up or, Hey, uh, I got to take a poop. I have to poo. <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotta, yeah, I gotta go number two. <laughs> like, why is that? Is it's because we're not supposed to tell people that we're about to be doing it or what? But it's like, you know, if like, if you're on a trip, I don't know. Uh, there's been various times in my life where it's like, I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. And and then whatever the situation is, it's like people will be like, number one or number two. Like, what kind of accommodations do you need? Mm-hmm. But why is there no good way to say it? It's like, you know, if you want to cuss, you go, you go, I got to take a shit. And it's like, it's like, that's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never been comfortable with it. I never liked fart jokes. I never liked farting for laughs. I never like, I'm never comfortable being like, I just blew that thing up. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just all gross. And I just don't understand why there's no good way. There's no, like if I'm around a bunch of men, I still don't want to be like, I'm about to go take a shit. I I like to go. Excuse me. Yeah, I got to take a poop here, guys. Oh, why do you have to tell them? Just say, I need to use the restroom. I think sometimes the situation warrants it. Like if I'm in a green room or something. Like the other day I was at a green room and the door to the bathroom wouldn't lock. So I'd have to be like, hey guys, uh, just so you know, I'm in here. I'm being here pooping. Don't (laughs) come in here. But you know, if you were a girl... In a green room, in that situation, um, I'm sure some female comedians would just go ahead and say that. But under no circumstances would I be ever telling anybody about the nature of my nature. Yeah, but it's like, well, what do you do in that situation? You just do it. Well, if you're a girl, if you're a girl, you just go, I'm going to be in here. Don't come in here. Well, you lock the door. I just said the door would not lock. Oh, well, people should be knocking on doors. They should be, but I'm. what I'm saying is I'm trying to give them the heads up that if you walk in here, you're not just going to see the back of me facing the toilet. I'm going to be sitting here with my pants down. Well, that's a problem that all women face no matter what number we're doing. Well, I understand, but you don't, so you don't really have to specify because no. you need to sit either way. So this is specifically a male problem. I don't. I think you're you're making it a problem. I don't think you need to specify. For some reason, you feel you need to, you know. Sometimes if, if someone it's is, necessary. Well, for me, this is what this is. 
you know, you can piece it together. If someone's gone for a while, you're like, okay, that's probably what they're up to, you know? And with women, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're real close friends or whatever, you can, you, you, you know, it's normal to share that kind of stuff, but I think it's nasty and I think it's pretty gross, especially when girls make it like part of their personality talking about that stuff. It's well, the, I think the it's, nastiest thing. I ever. think it's gross too. I, I think that's my point though, is it's like, why is there no way to really say, or what is the way? I, maybe I just don't know the way to say it without being gross or sounding like a little kid. That's what I'm searching for is mm. the, I'm not trying to tell everyone, but sometimes the situation warrants it. Maybe you're telling a story and it, it involves it, but it's not, that's not the whole story, but it just seems like if I'm around a bunch of like grown men as I am, and we're talking, I'm not trying to be all gross, but you know, I'm also not trying to be like, oh, I got to take a poop. I got to take a, I got to take a stinky. <laughs> I hate that word. I hate it too. I hate we we that were hanging word. out. Me and me and Hannah were hanging out, and my uh, my niece came in with her baby, and that's what she said. Do you have an extra diaper? Um, my baby's got a, a stinky, and I was like, Ugh, I hated it so much. I probably used to say that too growing up, but I hate it. All right. Well, I I just this is what I think. I think we should find out what the French say, because I feel like the French are known to be classy. Yeah. And they have a uh, good vocabulary. And so let's see what the French say in polite society about that. Okay. And then translate that to English and, and then just try to th- use that as a, as a guide. All right. I'm into it. You want to look that up? All right. Yeah. Look up what French word for poop is. Well, we should not just what the word is for poop because they're going to have a word for it. But how do they excuse themselves when they poo? Okay. Okay. Let me look it up. All right, so while she's looking that up, we'll do a little where we've been, where we're going. This past weekend, I went to San Diego, California. It's a great time. It's my second time being out there. I love San Diego. I think it's such a fun place. Uh, It's fun because, um, you know, it's just nice. Uh, I went to the beach last time. I did not go to the beach this time around. But the beaches are very nice. Uh, But also downtown San Diego, I like. Um... And they have a lot of homeless people downtown, and they are yelling all time of day and night. People just yelling out there. And you don't think about the amount of, and I, the first time I was there, I saw no tents at all. This time I walked around a little bit more, and I saw a few tents. And then on the drive back to the airport, the driver took me by. He didn't, I don't think he did it on purpose, but he took me down a street with just a lot of tents. And I was like, oh, okay, they're for sure here. Uh, because San Diego is really great weather. I mean, I was there December, and it, it was a little chilly at times, but overall, very comfortable. And they had a lot of cigar shops downtown. I enjoyed that. Um, I was out at the American Comedy Company, or ACC as they call it. Great shows. People came out. Um, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I find that to be an interesting club. I do a lot of the clubs like improvs and and funny bones where they're all kind of set up the same way and they're very big uh this is a small basement type club which i do like um but there is one thing around the stage that i find hard i won't say i don't like it the crackers used to do this in indianapolis but they have seats along the stage 
So there's a bar basically around the stage where people sit, and I just feel like that's too close. It gets too personal. Hannah, you don't have to continue to look that up. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm yeah, distracted that's now. That's okay. But it's like, um, you know, this is a question that could be answered later. Maybe someone will email me in something. Well, they're saying me. that the French just say, excuse me a moment. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not going to work. And they um, say that the word they use for poo is caca. Oh, yeah. That doesn't, caca doesn't seem good. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, guys. I'm going to go take a caca here. <laughs> <laughs> That does not translate. I just got to do a quick caca here. Don't you will not want to come in here after this caca. After this caca I just dropped, you do not want to come up in this bathroom. All right. No, but the French would be, excusez-moi, j'ai caca. Yeah. yeah. I have poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> so San Diego was fun. Um, I appreciated it. Um yeah, I mean, overall, it was just a good time. I had good food. I had some tacos. I had some authentic tacos. I had to order. It was a weird counter, the place I went to. I forget what it was called, but it was, um, you know, they uh, all the people working there, you know, they speak more English than I speak Spanish, but it wasn't great, and they were all wearing masks, and you also had to yell. So it was, it was hard for me to get an order in, but it was, uh, but I did get it. Steak tacos, very delicious. And then I had, I had a couple of burgers while I was out there because everybody kept recommending burgers, and they were really good. Oh, and I'll tell you this, too. Uh, the airport lost my luggage on the way there. I got my merch bag, but they lost my clothes, and it wasn't going to come in till later that night, so I had to go to the store and buy some things. And I went to a store called Lucky, and I had never gone to Lucky before, and I'm a Levi's guy through and through. I love Levi's jeans, but... I bought a pair of Lucky Jeans, and I was like, dang, these are actually very comfortable jeans. I'll, be, I'll share a secret with you. I went back, bought another pair because I was like, I never really worn jeans this comfortable. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but. They look good on you, too. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I don't know what Levi's is doing. I'll be honest with you because these are very comfortable. Maybe Levi's last longer in the end. I don't know, but they're great. So, and then where am I going? This weekend, me and Hannah are just going to go up to Toronto. We're going to take our first trip uh, with the baby on a flight. And we're going to go up to Toronto and uh, to see her dad and other family members for the holidays. We're very excited about it. Um, and then next week for New Year's, I'm going to go to Raleigh, um, North Carolina at the Raleigh Improv, where I'll do the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st there. Uh, with Drew Harrison, Tyler Wood. It's going to be very fun shows. So be sure to come check those out. If you live anywhere around Raleigh, come because you're going to like it. All right, so with, with Christmas coming around the corner and all this, I thought it was a great time to, you know, just tell some Christmas stories uh, from my own childhood and whatnot and, and, and various other stories. Now, now if you... I don't know if people listen to this podcast with kids or not, but, you know, spoiler alert on some things I'm going to say. I'm going to talk a little bit about Santa Claus uh, various times, and, you know, you may not want your kid to hear what I'm going to say. It's not bad, but it may not be what they want to hear. So I'm just letting you know that 
when I tell my Christmas stories, I'm going to get into a couple of things and then I'll try to move on from it. So maybe you can just skip two or three minutes of it. So I grew up believing in Santa Claus for way too long. I mean, based on the, the way my living situation was, I should have never believed in Santa Claus in the first place. Uh, and then uh, I believed, I, I remember sitting in a fifth grade classroom defending Santa Claus. Now, I wasn't the only one. But we were about half and half in that classroom. Half the kids were being like, we don't believe in Santa anymore. And the other half was like, no, I heard Santa one time. No, mm-hmm. I, I definitely heard him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, you know, my, my situation is interesting because I, you know, the premise of Santa Claus is this. He flies around the entire world with eight tiny reindeer and sometimes Rudolph, I guess, but eight tiny reindeer with a sleigh that contains presents for the whole world, and he himself is overweight. He's a jolly old man, as they'll say. So what he does is he flies this sleigh around, and he lands on your roof, and then he goes through your chimney and gives you your presents and then takes off again. Now, I know all this is magic, but I lived in a trailer growing up, and one year we had an ice storm and it froze a tree limb from this from a tree and that tree limb fell and it fell straight down and it stabbed into the roof of our trailer. It went straight through the roof and it collapsed a shelf containing a bunch of ceramic owls. Now, if a tree limb just goes through it just like that, I don't think that a man in a sleigh with presents for the whole world and eight reindeer are going to fare too well on that roof. No way, man. There's no way. And then even if he does, there's no chimney for him to come down. Mm-mm. I mean, is, is Santa Claus just pulling a breaking and entering on trailer parks all over the country? I mean, what's going on? Um, you know, maybe he's not going to all the trailers. I don't know. Maybe those kids weren't good. Um, But so I believed in Santa Claus despite knowing all of this. Uh, But part of that was because my mom was so good at Santa Claus. She got into it. I mean, we went to the mall. I would go down. I would sit on his lap and I would tell him that I wanted this and I wanted that. And then we'd come home and then boom, it'd be under the tree. And my mom got into it. I mean, I remember one year I got a basketball goal. It was a basketball goal that you put out back, you know, but it was in the box and it was gigantic. And I just remember thinking this was, this was the sole reason I believed in Santa because I was like, um, I, there's nowhere for her to hide this. There's no way for her to hide this desk. This, I mean, this, this basketball goal, there's no way it's too huge. We don't even have room here in the trailer to hide it not thinking that she probably has a friend that could bring it over or it's hidden somewhere for a few days and they bring it over to set it up while I'm sound asleep in the back. People are setting things up, but that was it. I mean, I would get up on Christmas morning and it would be like, I mean, it was, I mean, those were some of the most exciting times of my childhood really was getting up and coming in and being like, whoa. I mean, it really was a, you know, I don't like it necessarily I don't think it's good that my parents 
uh, just told me that there was some other man bringing me gifts. But the memory of getting up in the morning, knowing that Santa had been there, was like some of the most exciting times. Just coming in there and being like, whoa, look at all these presents. But that's why it was so fun and so magical, because I was getting a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting. Um, and I just, I remember coming in and there being G.I. Joes all over the place, He-Man, Masters of the Universe toys, uh, wrestling figures, uh, Ninja Turtles. Uh, I mean, you name it, comic books, comic cards. I mean, I got videos. I got home videos of, of some Santa Claus stuff. And it was just, it was such a good, exciting time. Again, I don't understand it. I don't know why this tradition was created where we must tell our kids that some other person got them these gifts and not our own parents. Maybe it's so the parents don't get thought of as just spoiling the kids. Maybe it's a nice way to be like, hey, we don't got any money. Hopefully Santa brings it. You know, but we go, if you're good, maybe Santa will bring it. Well, how about if you're good, maybe I'll get it for you, you know? So I don't understand it, but I remember it being exciting. I remember leaving out cookies, leaving out milk. They would always be gone in the morning. Who ate them? Had to be Santa. My mom was asleep the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there... um, this is one of my favorite stories. I mean, I'm not trying to make any anybody look bad in this story, but I, I like this one a lot. And I like kind of criticizing my parents a little bit, but only in a playful way. I don't, I'm not coming at them, but I, but I enjoy this story when, when, uh, I don't remember the, the year exactly, but I would say the early nineties, the PlayStation was coming out, um, And I had had, I remember when I was a little baby, my sisters had an Atari. I played Atari for a little bit and I got, I got the first Nintendo. I got the Super Nintendo. And then now it was time for the PlayStation. For some reason, PlayStation appealed to me as, as opposed to going to Nintendo 64. I wanted PlayStation, whatever marketing had gotten to me. And that's what I wanted. And so I told my mom I wanted a PlayStation. I told my dad, they're divorced. I told my dad that I wanted a PlayStation. And, um, you know, leading up to Christmas, my mom was dropping hints that she may not be able to afford a PlayStation. And my dad was telling me that my stepmom had spoke to someone at Walmart, and they've decided that the PlayStations are not going to be good because a lot of the kids are scratching the games because they were for the first time on disc and they just, they wanted it to work out, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out. So it's not looking good for me getting a PlayStation. So a few days leading up to Christmas, my mom has uh, a, a gift that she gives me a few days before and I open it up and there's a note in there and the note says, you know, hey, you know, I wanted to get you the PlayStation this year, uh, but I just, I couldn't afford it. So I got you a couple of Super Nintendo games. I hope that you'll be happy with those. And I was very happy about it. It was such a sweet moment. I felt, uh, you know, I felt, I was like, oh man, my mom can't afford it. 
but she did give me some games. This is great. So I played the games. One was a Wario game. I hated it. But the other one was uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors or something like that. Uh, and I loved it. I played that game for three or four days. Like I was like, this is really fun. And then my, um, you know, my parents are divorced. So all growing up, I split time between parents. In the summer, I went one week with my dad, one week with my mom, one week with my dad, one week with my mom. So, you know, I was back and forth. And then uh, during the school year, it would be I lived with my mom and went to school, but every other weekend with my dad. So Christmas break was two weeks. So I would spend the first week with my mom. And then on Christmas Day, um, my dad would come and pick me up. And all, everything was separate. I had my all my own stuff at my dad's house and all my own stuff at my mom's house. And so I would open all my mom's presents on Christmas Eve. And then the next day, my dad would pick me up and I would leave all my toys. So I had this week off from school where I could play with my toys. And then I had to leave and not be able to play with them. Um, So a lot of times my mom would let me open my gifts on Christmas Eve. Now, this was after I had already, you know, revamped my beliefs on Santa Claus. And I believed a new thing now. Um that I, so Christmas Eve, my mom let me open a gift. And this was after receiving the Nintendo games, the Super Nintendo games. So I tear it open and what do you know? It's a PlayStation. I lost my mind. I really had no idea she was getting me the PlayStation and I lost my mind. It was some of the most exciting. uh, I was just, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe it. I had myself a PlayStation. And I played, played, played all that night. And then the next day, my dad came and picked me up, and I went to his house without my PlayStation. Now, I had been telling my dad I wanted a PlayStation. And my stepbrother, for some reason, we had a Super Nintendo at my dad's house. For some reason, my stepbrother wanted a Sega Genesis. Now, if, if you're not familiar with these gaming systems, Sega Genesis was of the same generation of the Super Nintendo. So it was a lateral move. This was not a move. This was not progress. This was, this was side grass here. And um, so I don't know why he wanted the Sega, but he wanted the Sega. And my dad had told me that the PlayStations were just... Not going to work this year. But me me and my stepbrother always shared everything. We would get one or two of our own gifts, but any of the big gifts were gifts we shared. Um, But under the tree that year, there was a gaming soul-sized box for my stepbrother and then a gaming console-sized box for me. So I think, well, this is great. My stepbrother's going to get a Sega. I'm going to get a PlayStation. Fantastic. My stepbrother opens his. It's a Sega. He loses his mind. He can't believe it. I don't know why, but he can't believe it. I open mine. What is it? A Sega. My, my, and my dad was so proud. He goes, you didn't know I was getting you a Sega too, did you? Mm. And I'm just like, jeez. Mm. You know, they conspired against, they all conspired against me. Sorry. They conspired against me to get a Sega instead of a PlayStation. Now, everyone lost here. I mean, money-wise, my dad probably spent as much on the two Segas as he would the one PlayStation. My stepbrother got the less good gaming system. He should have listened to me and got the PlayStation. Um, Everybody lost here. Uh, But what I did was I just played my stepbrother's Sega 
all all week. We just played his. There was no need to open mine. And then I took mine back to Opelika with me. And me and my mom, we took it back to Walmart and traded it in for two PlayStation games. <laughs> the smoothest move my mom ever pulled. I don't know that I ever told my dad I did that. And I don't, you know, I'm not trashing my dad here. I just, um, I like that story. I think that's fun. Your dad never wondered what happened to that Sega system? Well, my dad didn't, you know, neither of my parents knew what was going on at my other parents' house. Mm -hmm. My dad did ask me, how's the Sega? And I lied and said, great. I guess I lied. I mean, I traded in on games I really liked. So is it a lie? How's the Sega? It's great. Is that a lie? I don't know. It's teeter-tottering around it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I was enjoying what he got me. Mm. I just cashed it in on something else. Mm. But I, I didn't want a Sega. That was an old generation of game. Now, let's say this. Let's say my mom didn't get me a PlayStation. And then my dad gets me a Sega. I'm like, all right, well, at least I got something new and fresh. But what How is, much were those things? PlayStation at that time was $300. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And now they're up to like 500 bucks. I think. Really? I think so. But at that time, the first generation was, I think, three hundred dollars. Wow, wow! And the yeah. play in the Super Nintendo, I think it was two hundred, and the Nintendo was a hundred. So they got more expensive each time. But I mean, it was wild. I mean, I loved a PlayStation. I love the emotional manipulation with your mom, though, too. Like she's making you believe that Absolutely. she's not getting it for you, just to to drop you down low, just to bring you back up. Well, it, it is so much emotional manipulation, <laughs> but it was... Um, a sweet way. Yeah, and it, and it did make me appreciate it. I mean, it's like, because my mom did work hard. I mean, she was a single mom. Not saying my dad didn't work hard either, but my dad just, you know, he was married. He had two incomes and they had a little extra money. And uh, it was just a weird undermining of me at my dad's house. This is my dad's other wife, not the, not the lady he's married to now, not Martha. Um, and it was like, it's just like, it weirdly undermined me for us all to lose. Like, there's no reason that that went down. I think you were the only one that felt like you'd lost, though. I don't think anyone else noticed that they lost. They might not have noticed at the time, but it was a loss for everyone. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Now, this is the, 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 the real button, though. My dad ended up getting divorced from that lady later that next year. So he had Christmas. So before next Christmas rolled around, they were divorced and gone. And my dad, next Christmas, bought me a PlayStation. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was great. So, I mean, it's like, because I spent a lot of time with both of those. I mean, you know, I've made a joke about that before. And lots of people have made that joke where you get a divorce. It's like you get two birthdays, two Christmases. Uh, and that is fun. You get a lot of gifts, but... Um, you live with a broken family. Yeah, I'd, I would trade it in for a, like a, <laughs> a non-broken family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never don't get really divorced. Got the, yeah, I never really got the insight of what it's like to be in a divorced family until uh, I got with you. Um, I mean, I knew lots of people. I think that's the thing is I knew lots of kids, lots of people growing up who were from divorced families, but because I knew so many of them, I just thought it was so common and normal. Yeah. And just kind of a basic thing. And I, I didn't actually know that in, you know, in several cases, it's, um, you know, it's deep. It, it, it hits you. It hits you deep. Yeah. I mean, don't get divorced. I mean, we still, it still affects me to this day. 
I'm 40, still mm -hmm. affects me. You know, it affects the amount of time I can spend with my family when I go visit. It affects me. Yeah. Because we got to go down to your hometown and see everybody. Yeah. I mean, you got to make a lot of trips. But it's like I spend less time with everyone. It's, you know, I could spend four days at my mom and dad's house just hanging out with them. Or I can do two of my dad, two of my mom, you know. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, um, and then I also used to go to my grandmother's, my mom's mom, my mama, the one who um, uh, crocheted Afghans. Uh, I don't think she did the one I'm sitting on. I think my mom did this one. But my grandmother, you know, we would all go to her house for Christmas. And my uncles would come and my, my mom and, you know, all the cousins and stuff. Now, we didn't have a ton of cousins because one of my uncles would not come a lot of the times. I have one uncle. He has the... We had the same, he had the same uh, father as my mom, but different. He had the same mom, different dad. He was their half-brother, who I always liked, but he wasn't around a lot. And then my Uncle Huey didn't have kids, and then my Uncle Donald had two, and then my mom had three. So we would always do Christmas together, and we would have a meal. We would do it on Christmas Eve. We'd have a meal, and then... We'd, everybody would buy, you know, everybody got gifts. I, I think, oh, we drew names. That's what we all did. We drew names and so-and-so buys for so-and-so. And then you go around the room and you start with the youngest and you go to the oldest and you watch everybody open their gifts and you see what everybody got. So it's a lot of pressure. I mean, you really have to, if you don't like what you got, you really got to fake it. Um, I remember there's a video out there of my brother-in-law, Gerald, getting, he got like uh, a camouflage coat or something. And then he goes, he goes, oh, I got this real tree camo coat or whatever. And then he's like, all I need now is the pants. And my grandmother would go, you ain't happy with nothing, are you? Hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's great. So those are fun times too. I like that. Uh, but you know, a lot of that for me, I don't, you know, I don't do that anymore, but a lot of that for me, it is just those fun memories. It, it's very little to do with the holiday itself and more to do with just spending time with family, laughing, having a good time. Um, you know, that, that stuff is the stuff that really builds the memories and the stuff that can't be replaced. I virtually with, with uh, you know, other than like one or two gifts, I can never remember, like, my gifts, you know, but the family times, you always remember those, and it is re really a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But I also have other Christmas experiences. Um, when I moved to Charleston, I started doing comedy. Now, I, I always say that I started doing comedy in 2008, but if you listen to the podcast, you know that I've, I mess around with comedy in, like, too th late 2000. Three, no, I messed with it in 2004. I started working at Hyman's in late 2003, but I did not go to that Christmas party. That was my first year with the company. I just felt weird about it, so I didn't go. But by the time next year rolled around, I had started to mess around with comedy a little bit, and I got asked would I do some comedy at the Christmas party. So I said yes, and this was at a place called called Shady Maze or either Bar 145. It used to be Shady Maze and then it became Bar 145. If you're an old school Charleston person, it's on the corner of King Street and Calhoun Street 
Uh, there's now a Walgreens there, but it used to be a Blockbuster Music, a CD store. And then the top floor was called the Terrace, and it was a rooftop bar. And then the bar in between on the second floor was Shady Maze, which would become Bar 145. And we had our Christmas party there, and it was double booked with another seafood restaurant. So we had an award ceremony to do. Um, so we did our awards, and then and they gave me the best sense of humor award, which was made up. Uh, and I c- couldn't find it. I tried to look for it. I thought I saved it. I never, I never found it. Um, but. And then I was to do comedy after. So I got up there and I started doing jokes. And it was actually going pretty well. I wrote all restaurant-centered jokes. And then I had a really foul-mouthed uh, comeback for the other bar when they started to heckle me. That That's what everyone remembered was my foul-mouthed comeback that I won't even repeat. But it was like the— Was it a hit or was it a bomb? Oh, it was a hit. I mean, that, that joke in particular was a hit. And, oh— I mean, all the people on on my, I mean, people at the other restaurant were ready to fight, but we had a kitchen staff that could have done prison time. So I wasn't worried. I mean, we were all set and it was great. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but things really got riled up. And I went to the owner because I had done a comedy show at, cause, oh, oh, this is what happened. So I did my joke. It really shut them down. And then all of a sudden they cut my mic and started playing music. And they were like, the other place wants to dance. They want to dance, so you got to cut this short. Uh, so I went to the guy, and I go, hey, you know, I've done shows bef- for you before, and, uh, you know, I just want to finish my comedy. And he goes, I don't know what he said to me, but it was real snarky, and it was real, like, too bad, basically. Um, that guy died, I think, later. And, uh, so I, I mean, years later, but just saying. <laughs> Jeez. Was it the kitchen staff? No, no. He didn't get killed. He died years okay. later. And uh, no, I mean, it was uh, it was such a fun night. I got my award, and my award was in a picture frame. And I was really wasted. I got really wasted at the party. I had such a good time. And then the, the, the uh, uh, I got kicked out, I think. And I don't know if I was kicked out yet or not, but. It was, it was, I was working my way towards being kicked out. And the bartender, when he closed out my tab, he forgot to give me my debit card back. And I kind of, I, I held the picture frame on its side and I just wanted to tap it on the bar to, 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 you know, get his attention to just be like, you know, this is some BS. And when I did, I shattered the frame all over the bar. Mm. And then I just grabbed the rest of the award and I headed towards the elevator. And I got in the elevator, the bartender was in there with me and then two of my managers. They said they were in there with me to make sure the bartender wasn't gonna try to fight me. And then I lived downtown, so I just walked out of the elevator and went straight home. You didn't (laughs) get your debit card? Oh, I did get the debit card, yeah. Jeez, Dusty. Yeah, it was a mess. You're lucky you didn't even get fired from your job. I know, I worked there for years after that. And eventually, you know, I quit comedy, uh, not long after that, probably. And then I started back again, and I was, I don't even know if I'd started back, but some of the same people were working there two or three years later and asked me what I'd do stand up at the Christmas party again. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So this time was even worse in a way uh, because I was wearing the overalls, so I put the overalls on for the show. 
And I just was up there doing comedy and it was just not going well with the staff. Like before when I did it, it was like a huge hit and people couldn't believe it was happening. But this time people were bored with it pretty quick. One guy up front was kind of heckling me. And, it, and I just remember um, when I got done, I just went out the back door of the bar. And when I got out the back door, there wasn't really uh, a way out. So I climbed a fence <laughs> to, <laughs> to avoid going back through everyone. I think I ended up climbing two six-foot privacy fences that night just to avoid seeing anybody that night. Wow. That's how bad it You've went. You've come a long way. And I also did a Christmas party. I've done a couple of these, but this one I did, I think it was somewhere in Missouri. I did a Christmas party, a corporate event. They had hired me. This was this was probably 2018 when I had just signed with my agent and manager. They booked me on a corporate gig, and it was a very well-paying corporate gig. I had never really had this before. And I show up, and the people like, oh, they're so nice to me. And they're just treating me like I'm, you know, king of comedy. And I get up on stage, they, and they're out there doing the awards. They're giving away all the awards, and everybody's winning things, and they're doing it. And then after, they're going to have the comedy. So it's a very wide room and a very narrow room. So there's not a lot of people in front of me. And then the rooms are very wide on either side of me and they don't have a good PA. So I don't think the people on the very far right could hear me very well. And I don't think the people on the very far left could hear me very well, just the people right around me. And then there was a wireless mic. So it kept cutting out all the time. It cut out on several punchlines that even to this day, people go, do you prefer a wireless or a wired? I always say wired mic. And then if, they're, if they push the wireless, I go, just make sure it's not cutting out. If it cuts out, I want a wired mic. And because I'm up there doing this show and I'm just, I'm bombing in a way because people can't hear me. And maybe some people just don't think I'm funny, but they can't hear me. The mic keeps cutting out. I try to make jokes about it, and I start to notice people leaving. But the only people that leave are the people that have won awards, right? And I, and I, I ended up getting my best laugh of the night off this where I'm like, you know, you notice the only people leaving are the people that won awards. The rest of the people stay in there like, I'm staying for this comedy whether I enjoy it or not. This is my <laughs> award tonight. And that was a lot of fun. I feel like we're fading. We're doing this at a, at a – but that corporate gig, um, I, um, I left there feeling pretty bad about myself, but I had been paid very well. So I went across the street to a restaurant, had a steak, watched some football, and I was like, it's pretty easy to forget the bad gigs when you're getting paid well. I feel like that's the whole spirit of a corporate gig. It don't go the way you want it to go, but, hey, that money feels good. Well, I still, you know, I do have some good, I mean, you're right, though. I do have some good ones, though. I, like the one I just went out and did in California, like, um, I they, they treated me very nice. They took me out during the day, gave me, you know, fed me food and gave me a, a charcuterie board. Oh, that was delicious. And uh, they were very nice to me, and I thought the gig went well. Um uh, found out a large portion of the audience did not speak English, so that would explain why um, I wasn't getting the full laughter of the audience. 
but a lot of people really enjoyed it. So, all right, so we'll end here with the uh, Bible talk uh, that I that I promised I would talk about. Um, I wanted to just spend some time thinking, and I wanted to read all of Romans. This was an email that got sent to me about Romans uh, chapter fourteen. Uh, it was the it was the full on chapter. Um, um, you know, so I'm just I'm just finding my notes here real fast. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 it basically was asking me to. Um, look at this because I'm always preaching against pork and following and, and preaching for following the law. So I, I wanted to read all of Romans. Now I've read it before in the past, but I, I wanted to be fresh on it. So I read the whole thing on Saturday and uh, I tried to take notes, but a lot of my notes don't make sense really. Um, but the main thing that I, that I want to point out is that throughout that chapter, it seems like Paul is, very on board with following the law. Now, uh, because, you know, that the Torah is the foundation. So there was no New Testament uh, scripture written when Paul was doing, you know, when he was preaching. So all they had was Old Testament. So he was, and he, all the way through the Old Testament, all the way up until, you know, Matthew, it's all about following the law. I mean, they talk all the time about it. And then Jesus comes in and he goes, think not that I have come to abolish the law, but to fulfill. And so it seems like Jesus is being like, now nah, I keep doing the law. And I do think some things changed, but you know, Jesus was a, uh, a non pork eating Jewish man who celebrated Passover. Um, and we know that he did that at the last supper. So there's no reason to believe that Paul would be any different seeing as how he was a, uh, you know, um, I forget the, the tribe of Benjamin, I believe. He was a Jewish man. He was going around. He was um, stoning Christians, and then he met Jesus on, or, or met God on the way to Damascus and uh, decided that he would now preach for the Christians. Um, but I just find I have no reason to believe he was against the law. What I think was happening is he wrote a letter to the Romans. He never went to visit the Romans. He wanted to, but he was never able to make it. But he wrote them a letter in anticipation of him coming. And I get the feeling that he knew some things about what was going on, and he was just trying to address some subjects. And so at one point, he in chapter 13, he lists off, um, um, he says this. This is in chapter 13. Uh, he's really hammering down how we should treat each other. And he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. So I think a lot of people reading that would say, Yep, that's it. All we got to do is love each other. That is that is the whole law. But he, sa sa he says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, right? So that's five of the Ten Commandments he listed. So if we're to believe that, you know, it's all about how you treat each other, then, then we should not believe the other five commandments. I actually think it's four commandments tell you how to love God and six commandments tell you how to love each other. But I don't know what, I should have looked those up, but I didn't. But then when Jesus is asked um, what he 
thinks is that what's the greatest commandment? He says to love thy, thy Lord, thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. So Jesus is, and then he says, and then the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. So uh, Jesus even said that loving your neighbor was second. So Paul is, he's definitely not cutting out the other five commandments. So just because he names a few doesn't mean that the others aren't important because Jesus would say those are the most important. Um, so in chapter 14, what I think is happening is I think there is uh, new Roman people coming into, or Roman people coming into a new religion. They've been all about paganism or whatever their other beliefs were, but now they've come into a new belief. And some of them are refraining from eating meat altogether because they've been eating pork. And then I think, uh, and, th and now they don't know what to eat. Uh, they're not able to just Google what's clean, what's not clean. So they're just like, I'm not even going to eat meat because I don't want to risk it. I've just repented. I've just been saved and I don't want to risk it. And then, so then you had people harassing them going, no, you can eat this, you can eat that. And then I think people were confused about Sabbath days. They're like, I want to keep, uh, you know, uh, the holy days of the Bible, but I, I don't know what to keep. And then other people were probably around them keeping what they would consider Sabbath days, uh, pagan holidays and whatnot. And I think that Paul's just saying, listen, um, you know, you're, you've been saved. That's the most important thing. I mean, he says here, um, this is before, he says, uh, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich upon all that call upon him, unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he lets you know right there, I mean, that's, that's all that's needed to accomplish. You, you call on the name of the Lord, you're saved. So he's saying, you're all saved. Don't argue about these things amongst yourselves. It's better to treat each other well than it is to argue about these things. So um, I think that, you know, we're all on a spiritual journey. We become saved. And then once we're saved, it's a free gift. No one, we don't have to earn it. But once we've received it, then we start our spiritual journey where we dig deeper into who God is through meditation, through fasting, through following laws, through obedience. We learn more about God. We learn who God is and how God wants to be served. And that's a spiritual journey for us that strengthens us, that, that makes us healthier people, that makes us um, more in touch with God, that that overall should make us nicer to our, our fellow man because we're doing the things God's asking us to do. Of course, you can be nice without following God's laws. Of course, you can be wonderful people. But this is, you know, this is how God wants us to live and how he's asking us to live. So I think Paul is just saying, listen, uh, you know, I'm going to come there and I'm going to teach you things. But until that point, I mean, just be nice to each other. And, 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 you know, don't, don't squabble over every little thing. That's my take. I could be wrong. That's what I think. And that's my best answer for the time being. And I wanted to read, and then we'll get out of here, but I wanted to read just one little email we got, just a little piece here. Um, it says, Dear Dusty, wanted to encourage you on Sabbath thoughts. I think we sometimes miss what a blessing it is to have a true day off. The funny thing about law, following it has so many physical benefits, but at the end of the day, it is there to show us we need Jesus. 
I am working towards letting pork go, not ready. I get it. I was not ready for a long time. I finally gave it up, and I felt really good about it. Um, and, yeah, the Sabbath day is very important. I'll end with this. I saw an article, non-religious oriented, and it said, um, uh, studies find taking a lazy day each week makes you more productive throughout the week. And I read that, and I go, oh, you mean like a Sabbath. You mean the day that God set aside for us to rest. You mean that God had a plan on how to make us the most productive. He said, take one day to rest each week and it'll be better for you. So that's all I got. I hope you guys have a great holiday. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We're having a good time. Thank you.